What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we can finally put a bow on the prospect model series. We talk through running back, wide receivers, tight ends, my prospect model, how they work, my top five at each position. And today we talk about the quarterbacks. We have a lot to talk about. Anthony Richardson's kind of a hot topic right now. What I've changed with the model, all of that and more. So if you are interested in all of that, you want to learn a thing or two about the quarterbacks in this class, sit tight, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, try to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. Now, I want to say two things before we get into this. First, I'm going to try... Yell at me if I don't, but I'm going to try and put all the videos we did these last two weeks, right, where I go over the prospect models, my top fives in the same playlist as the one from last year. So if you're interested in how the model works, all of that, it's all in one spot. I know that like 90% of you guys aren't going to watch every single one of these, but I just want to have this stuff documented somewhere because again, like I don't just want to throw my prospect model down your guys' faces and expect everyone to know what I'm talking about. So I like to have a spot where you guys can see, you know, he keeps mentioning RS grades. What the hell are those? So on top of that, the RS grades in their entirety will be on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, my tight ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, the 2023 guys, the 2024, the 2025 guys for the Devies uh, heads out there. You got every class back to 2007. My rookie rankings just went live a few days ago. If you have a rookie draft coming up or you just want to kind of see how I have my top 48, the link to the patreon.com slash Ron Stewart will be down below in the description and in the comments. So let's get straight into this. All right, we've done this spiel. This will be like our seventh time now uh, over the last year. But we have the RS grade. Stands for Ron Stewart grades. And essentially what it does is it takes a prospect's stats, draft capital, athleticism, and it gives you a grade on a scale of 0 through 10. And that output predicts a player's points per game over their first three seasons. Now, when we talk about quarterback, this is how the model breaks down. And I have literally every single percentage for you guys to see exactly what goes in to the model. And we see here, we have film at the top. And film really matters for quarterbacks. When I say film, it's draft capital and Lanzerlized film grades. Draft capital is absolutely everything at quarterback. If you don't get drafted... Uh, in the top 12 picks, you might never start a game in the NFL. So draft capital matters a ton because it's a film grade where scouts are watching film. They got the projector, the all 22, but it also equates to playing time. The higher you're drafted, the more investment a team has in that player or that quarterback. The earlier he gets on the field, the longer leash he has, right? We've seen guys like Darnold, Mitch Trubisky have like three years to start at quarterback. Sadly, Zach Wilson, only two. He was that bad, but still, he was given a two-year audition. Now, we also have Lance line grades. This is just a third party uh, for grading QBs, right? Much smaller input than draft capital. The NFL screws it up all the time, right? Zach Wilson was second overall. Mahomes was 10th overall. Deshaun Watson was 12th overall. Jamarcus Russell was first overall. Uh, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. So if you just went strictly off of draft capital it wouldn't be all that great. So I like having, you know, one-fourth of what draft capital is weighted in Lanzier Lines grades just to get a different perspective on what the NFL thinks because quarterback evaluation is so so all over the place. Now, our next biggest input 
is advanced passing. It's a weird name for it. Uh, I wanted to call this passing production, but it's much more of an efficiency stat than it is a volume stat. It's not a counting stat, or most of the stats that I use for quarterbacks aren't counting stats. It's also important to note, you won't see breakout age here. You won't see draft age. You won't see early declare. At quarterback, it really doesn't matter like the other positions, right? Where it's like breakout age and uh, coming out early and being dominant. For quarterbacks in the NFL, or just quarterbacks in general, I don't think it's as important. Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, Cam Newton, and Joe Burrow, I don't think that they started at quarterback for their first three years in college and they came out and were two of like the best fantasy quarterbacks we've ever seen. It's also important, I want to get out ahead of this, what we're looking for, like these RS grades in terms of passing and everything, these are not grades for NFL production and being, you know, franchise quarterbacks. It's a different equation in terms of real life NFL quarterbacks versus fantasy football quarterbacks, guys who are going to score points for our fantasy teams. And when it comes to that, draft age and all that doesn't matter a ton. Now, our biggest input in advanced passing is OF plus and it's football outsiders offensive rating. It's weighted at 12.5%. Essentially, it just uh, it's just kind of like a strength of schedule sort of thing. How good is your offense relative to your opponents? Ideally, we want quarterbacks who drive the ship of high-powered offenses. It matters, right? So if a quarterback can sustain a good offense in college, he can probably do the same thing in the NFL. Then we have touchdown-interception ratio, which is pretty simple. We want players who throw TDs, limit their turnovers, right? What are you giving in terms of the positive and what do you have to pay to get to that positive? That's really the biggest thing at quarterback is what is the trade-off? What do you bring and what is the downside there? I also like to look at big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio, which is BTT uh, TWP ratio, which is essentially the same thing, but it accounts for variance, right? So if you throw like a five yard dump off to a running back who then takes it 40 yards to the house, you're not getting the credit for that. Whereas passing touchdowns give you the credit on that. And then you also have, you know, if a quarterback gets a pass tipped and it's picked off, you're getting a big ding for that in touchdown interception ratio, but in big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio, you're not getting that same ding there. So I like sort of, they both are evenly weighted here. Touchdown to interception ratio is pretty simple. Big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio just to account for any variance. Now, our last stat here is ESPN's QBR. We take the average, we take the peak. I have thresholds for it. What QBR is is adjusted total quarterback rating by ESPN. It values the quarterback on all play types on a 0 to 100 scale, adjusted for the strength of opposing defenses faced. So I have thresholds for every age based on your QBR and based on quarterbacks with top 12 finishes. I take every quarterback in my database that has a top 12 finish. I find what the average QBR is in each and every single uh, every single age. So age nine, 18, 19, uh, 20, 21, all of that. And then I measure how far above and below a prospect gets in response to those thresholds. And then I take their career average and I take their best season. We want guys who either do it for a long time or have a really massive peak like a Joe Burrow, like a Cam Newton at the end of their career. Also, it's worth noting, I don't take in any counting stats or any passing stats or even rushing stats unless if the player had 100 or more pass attempts in that season. So you're not going to get dinged for not starting early in this model. Now, next up, we have rushing. And rushing matters a ton for fantasy. We want quarterbacks that can raise our ceiling. We want quarterbacks that, you know, can be Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, all the guys at the top of the totem pole at quarterback. Even when you're talking about startups, 
were mobile in college, did rush in college. Now, I will say, you don't have to be a rushing quarterback to grade out well uh, in the RS grades. A guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence, a guy like Joe Burrow, guys who weren't, you know, Lamar Jackson's have great grades. But I want to allow for a different pass. So you don't have to necessarily be a great passer to even grade out really well in the RS grades if you make up for it in the rushing department. So for rushing, the stats I use are pretty simple. Uh, the first one is the market is market share of rushing yards over expected based on yearly thresholds, pretty much like QBR. Rushing quarterbacks are accounting for a bunch of their team's rushing yards. So it's just literally a quarterback's rushing yards divided by a team's rushing yards. How much of the rushing are you accounting for? Now we have a new stat that I really, really like. It's just a 6% input, nothing too, too crazy. Uh, rushing yard market share is 9.5%. So smaller than that, but it's called rush and sack EPA per play. Now, what the hell is EPA? It is expected points added. And this is a really, really good way that uh, I believe the 33rd team uh, pointed it out like this. But expected points added, commonly referred to as EPA, is a measure of how well a team performs relative to expectation. For example, if a team starts to drive on the 50-yard line, its expected points to start the drive would be about 2.5. If the team ends the drive with a field goal, Thus gaining three points, its EPA for that drive would be found by subtracting its expected points from how many points it actually gained. So three minus two and a half is 0.5 EPA. So the idea here is based on your field position, what are you expected to score and what do you actually end up scoring? How much are you giving above what you're expected in the scoring department, which is absolutely massive for quarterbacks. Now, I then isolate it for just sacks and just rushes on a per play basis. So rushing EPA to me is... It's a nice supplement for rushing market share. We still care about rushing market share, but are you, you know, giving empty 100-yard rushing games in like 35 to 14 losses, or is your rushing actually helping your EPA, helping your team score points, helping your team go above what they're expected, right? That is a way where a lot of, you know, the old heads in this space will say, or not this space, but like fantasy on your like ESPN shows saying, Lamar Jackson's a running back. I want a pocket passer. Well, if Lamar Jackson isn't giving you empty rushing and his rushing is actually, you know, affecting wins and losses through EPA, that's really meaningful. Even if it's not, you know, the top line of his job description, rushing matters a ton, even more so in the modern NFL. Now, we also have on the other side, sacks, right? So I isolate it for rushes and I, I isolate it for sacks where are you taking bad sacks, right? If you are negative, negatively impacting EPA, you're taking sacks in high leverage situations. So you're taking them on, you know, third and short, or you're taking them with, you know, minutes counting down at the end of the half when you can't be taking sacks there, uh, you know, massive, massive negative plays. Are you taking bad sacks? And it's also something we see a lot with scrambling quarterbacks. I think Justin Fields struggles with it. Russell Wilson struggles with it in the NFL. They'll hold the ball a lot longer than a pocket passer because they can, you know, make people miss and make moves and then they can just get downfield and rush. But that also gives you a lot of negative plays. So in a perfect world, what this does is we are isolating for two or three different things. We want rushing quarterbacks who aren't just rushing for empty yards. Are they affecting wins and losses? Because teams will value that. Are pocket quarterbacks, at least if they're not going to run the ball, are they limiting EPA loss on sacks? Are they, you know, being smart with the football and not taking bad sacks? And then you have bonus points where if you are rushing and affecting wins and losses while also not taking bad sacks, because again, it's very common for scrambling quarterbacks 
to take a bunch of sacks, hold on to the ball longer. So you get bonus points if you're a quarterback that runs the ball a ton, adds EPA on the ground, but also doesn't lose that EPA that he gains on the ground by taking bad boneheaded sacks. So when we look how this stat kind of uh, fleshes out for us, I think it's pretty clean. Again, just a 6% input. It's not, you know, a magic stat or anything, but I think it helps. This is, if we look at Russian sack EPA per play uh, in each of these players' careers, right? So CAR is just career. Since 2015, first round picks since then, it's pretty good, right? It brings, you know, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Marcus Mariota, Allen, Deshaun, Fields, Mahomes, all the way up to the top. It even puts, it's not a raw rushing stat because you have guys like Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow ahead of a guy like Daniel Jones who took a lot of bad sacks. And it brings guys like Goff, Haskins, Rosen, uh, Darnold, Baker, Pickett, Paxton Lynch, Mac Jones, all the way on the bottom. So to me, it's good. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than just raw rushing. So I like it. Again, I also like that it brings up Trevor Lawrence and Burrow, despite them not being Konami code type QBs. Now, you'll see Konami code, mobile, statue. What the hell are those? Those are just rushing de uh, designations. Shout out again. We, we talked about them on yesterday's uh, video uh, or him. Ian over at, at Dynasty underscore I am on Twitter. He sort of came up with the idea of bucketing these quarterbacks. And these are just based on their rushing market share and their rushing yards in college. Konami's the the top one then it's mobile those guys are just like guys who can scramble but you're not going to get like Lamar Jackson 1000 yard rushing seasons from them and then your statues and the way that I see it and I know uh, some people have done like studies on this uh, quarterback rushing isn't so much an athleticism thing as it's a tendency thing I think both are at play here but you could have a guy run a 4-4 at the combine and if he's a pocket passer He's not going to all of a sudden just like take off because now he knows he's athletic because he tested well at the combine. If you look at side by side, I, I use this example all the time. Andrew Luck and Cam Newton, same dude on paper. 6'4", 235 pounds, runs a 4'6", 5", 4'6", And Andrew Luck is much more of a, you know, mobile guy. He'll, he'll take off when he has to and he'll scramble. Cam Newton, obviously, you know, first year in the league, like I think 1,000 plus rushing yards and like maybe... Uh, 10 plus rushing touchdowns, just a different, you know, category than an Andrew Luck. And that's because of tendency. Now, athleticism still does matter, though. And athleticism in the models at 14% down there, half is relative athletic score at 7%, which is just, you know, on a scale from zero to 10, size, explosion, agility, speed, where do you rank there? And then also hand size, you guys will probably be a little bit surprised by hand size at 7%. Again, not a big input. But you'd be surprised how good uh, hand size actually is for quarterbacks. Like, uh, it's a pretty small input, but you have guys that sort of popped in hand size, maybe wouldn't have popped otherwise. Uh, Dak has massive hands, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Justin Herbert, Andrew Luck, Matthew Stafford, all have 10-plus inch hands. Like, 10-plus is, like, pretty much your A-plus uh, hand size grade. doesn't penalize you for having small hands. I think Burrow has, like, smaller hands than you would think. Uh doesn't really penalize you unless you have like freakishly small hands, like sub nine inches, like a Kenny Pickett. Uh, but ideally, like I think hand size and having big hands also equates to like, you know, arm strength and all of that. So it's a it's just one input. It's nothing too, too crazy. Now, these categories, right, that we're seeing here, film, advanced passing, rushing, athleticism, all get graded on a 10-point scale. And then we get a weighted average that gives us essentially a GPA for these players that gives us our RS grades. And when we look at a sample, this is our quarterbacks, I believe from, I'm trying to think, 
uh, I believe these are from 2018 to 2022. So the last, what, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So the last five draft classes here sorted by RS grade. Again, cannot stress this enough. These are based on fantasy scoring. That's why Kyler Murray is ahead of a Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. They're all 10, but I I cap them off at 10. They're raw RS grades. Kyler Murray is at the top. And this is how the tiers break up here, right? So you have the RS grades, top to bottom. And then based on those RS grades, you get put into tiers. Legendary, elite, gold, silver, bronze. Legendary are guys with 10 or better RS grades. They hit top 12 quarterback seasons or top 12 point per game seasons 100% of the time. They average 21 points per game through their first three seasons. Then we have the elite guys, which are, you know, your very solid quarterback prospects. 90% of the time they're hitting top 12 seasons. 19.92 points per game through three seasons is also very, very good. Then you have gold, which are kind of like your hit or miss type of guys. You'll have some second round guys like Jalen Hurts sneak in there. Mac Jones, Darnold, Daniel Jones. It's not a death sentence, but it's not great. 13.8 points per game, 50% of the time they'll hit top 12 seasons. And then you have silver, 37.5% of the time they'll hit top 12 seasons, 12.31 points per game through three seasons. So really not that far off of gold. And then bronze is just a wasteland. These are guys who aren't really going to see the field. 3% of the time they'll hit top 12 seasons and just a 3.4 points per game through the first three years. Now, it's also important to note, it is much more important to focus on the tiers than it is the RS grades. When we look at just this raw ranking here, okay, it looks good, right? Kyler, Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. And then you have Tua, Baker, Zach Wilson over Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts. That's not great, but as I always say, like if, if this ranking was to be literally just a clean... This is the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You'd be running into a lot of overfitting issues in your model, where if the if it's completely 100% perfect, then you're kind of retroactively changing things and all of that, which is really tough to do. That's why I think that we should really just stick to bucketing things, right? That's why it just matters elite, legendary, gold, and then make your choices within each tier, right? We could have saw Lamar Jackson's Konami code, uh, Josh Allen's Konami code, Baker is mobile. Maybe in that 2018 draft class, we should have preferred a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson over Baker. But even then, that's still a lot of hindsight bias here. Now, this is all good. This is pretty. It looks pretty on the screen. I feel pretty good about these grades as well. Uh, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral from last year, Jordan Love, all in silver. Kenny Pickett actually really, really low down there. Um, but I think they look really good. So the issue here, is as we always say you have to beat draft capital for a model to be useful does it beat draft draft capital it does i will say draft capital is very very strong for quarterbacks though because it, it affects playing time so much 0.461 uh r squared in terms of draft pick versus year one to three points per game is really really strong uh the model we'll see on the left hand side here quarterback rs grade versus year one to three points per game 0.631 r squared so a pretty good uh, improvement there. What's that? Like a 0.15 type improvement there. Uh, it's better just because like in the, the NFL, we talked about it, but like you could be the first overall pick and suck. Like I think that that, uh, like if you look all the way draft pick like zero, so we're talking like first overall pick, that guy who has like six points per game, I want to say that's Jamarcus Russell. So there's a little bit more nuance there. You can just use draft capital for this stuff, but RS grades, I think, give you a little bit more nuance here. So with that being said, I isolate those four categories of production, advanced passing, uh, rushing athleticism, and that is going to spit us out our rookie comps for the top five quarterbacks in this class. So my quarterback one as of today, 
and you guys are not going to be happy about this at all, is Anthony Richardson. He is my quarterback one. I would call it QB1A. I cannot stress this enough, fellas. Him, Stroud, Bryce Young are all in the same tier for me. And if you look at my dynasty rankings, they are all going to be back-to-back-to-back in the mid-second round of startups. Literally, once you get past, you know, your, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, probably like CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, maybe Kyle Pitts is in there. Then it's just going to be these three quarterbacks rapid fire. You can put them in any order you feel like. To me, they are the top three for me right now. To be honest with you guys, this is the order I have as of today when I'm filming this video. I might flip-flop 12 times between now and the NFL draft. I think it is razor thin between these top three. Now, these top three guys all grayed out. And we'll get back to these comps in a second. But these top three QBs all grayed out as elite quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson is Konami. CJ Stroud is statue. Bryce Young is statue. So when it comes down to this for me, as we saw with the RS grades, it really just matters about the tiers. It's not so much, you know, RS grade versus RS grade. And when we're looking at, you know, Baker as a mobile guy versus, you know, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson as Konami code guys, the bet's probably a little bit low, lower floor, but the payoff is way, way bigger. And when we just look at, you know, here and you just look at the elite prospects, like you can look through mobile. If you look through mobile and statue, the only guy you're really happy with is Justin Herbert, maybe Tua. And then Konami code is literally just studs across the board. Uh, I guess Mariota is kind of a bust. I guess Griffin is kind of a bust, but Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. And that's filtered by RS grade. Anthony Richardson has the highest RS grade than Trey Lance, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes uh, in my database. So it's kind of tough to wrestle with. You also see Tua had a higher RS grade than CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. So, so for me, give me the Konami guys over the statue mobile guys every single time. Uh, Stroud and Young, you know, they're not going to add a ton on the ground. So you need a lot of passing efficiency to make up for that. You need, you know, like a 40 plus passing touchdown season to crack the top five. Anthony Richardson could, could pass for less than 20 passing touchdowns and still give you a top five season. He's that good. Similar to what Justin Fields just did. Now there is for sure. When we talk about Anthony Richardson, a ton of downside here. This is not a lock by any means. Uh, the ceiling is crazy, right? With that A-plus athleticism, A-plus rushing, we absolutely love that. But B-minus in passing puts him in a tier where, or a comps list where he's somewhere between Mahomes, Lance, Lamar, who are at A-minus in their advanced passing. So he's not the same passer as those guys. Uh, and it puts his floor at Jake Locker and Daniel Jones. I think it's dangerous to cling on to Josh Allen as a comp, who's sort of a little bit of an outlier. You can't just cling on to, oh, well, he went highly, didn't pass well, could rush in athleticism like Richardson will also be great because you could say the same thing about a guy like Jake Locker uh, who went eighth overall, A-plus rushing, A-plus athleticism, and did absolutely nothing in the NFL. So I will say Daniel Jones isn't great. He still racked up two top 12 finishes. I think that's sort of what Anthony Richardson is looking at here. Or I think worst case scenario, he'll give you at least a quarterback one season. He'll give you production. He'll give you ample you know, selling windows where he looks really good early on and we will kind of look at his peripherals, his passing grades all of that, and we can kind of decide then. But I want to bet on that rushing upside when looking at him versus the other quarterbacks. Now, when we look at that C plus or that B minus advanced passing, it wasn't great. His QBR was below my age 21 threshold this year. He had a 1.9 TD to interception ratio, which isn't great. 19 big time throws of 13 turnover worthy plays isn't great. We like to see like two plus ratio there. It puts him in like that B minus range as a passer 
which isn't great. But I do think there are some positives to hold on to. First being that this was just his first full season starting at quarterback in the SEC. Wasn't really passing to anybody. I don't think that Florida has any uh, draft prospects, prospects this year. I think that he was sort of just out there by himself. Uh, I know Travis Etienne's little brother was their running back, but outside of that, I don't think there's anything really going on there. So he's not going to be like a super polished product. But for being someone that's so raw, his pocket presence and his pocket poise in terms of the numbers is really, really impressive. He really pops in that rush and sack EPA per play stat that I added this year. Uh, he doesn't take bad sacks, and he actually helps his team win games by rushing on the ground. If we look at these, this is the career rush and sack EPA per play. He is right in the mix behind just Kyler Lamar, Marcus Mariota. He's ahead of Allen. He's ahead of Fields. He's ahead of Deshaun Watson. He's really good. You see Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. They're not like they're not in the Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Jared Goff danger zone, uh, but they're not where Richardson is either. And if we even just isolate it down to just EPA lost on sacks, this is where it gets really interesting, man. Sack EPA per play, he is loot like he he takes better sacks than Bryce Young. He only lost minus seven point one EPA this year. On sacks, when you look at a guy like Will Levis, he took minus 23.4 this year, minus 13.1 the year before that. So for a guy that's so raw, he's not as raw as Will Levis, where Will Levis is making really, really negative plays in the pocket. Anthony Richardson, for as much as he's giving you on the ground, he's at least not, you know, being a liability in the pocket, taking really, really bad sacks, making boneheaded plays. And that's a really strong, positive for him. I also want to note Malik Willis, who a lot of people are saying like, oh, Anthony Richardson's just Malik Willis. I think that's dumb at this point. Malik Willis had minus 14.1 and minus 29.5 EPA lost on sacks in his final two years. Again, Anthony Richardson here in year three, just minus 7.1. Also shout out CJ Stroud. He does not take bad sacks at all. Uh, maybe a slight red flag with Bryce Young, but he did improve on that uh, in year three. So you, so you add in all of this. Richardson doesn't take bad sacks. He has room to develop as a passer. He only has one year as a starting quarterback in college. I think he has plenty of room to improve. And he's actually helping game outcomes, wins and losses, EPA, with his legs. And you add the fact that he's going to be a lock to be a top 10 pick. He has all the athleticism in the world. He's a special, special rusher. He's 6'4", 244 pounds, which is massive in this NFL, where we're seeing Lamar Jackson get hurt, Kyler Murray get hurt, all these guys who run the ball a ton but are sub, you know, 210 pounds. This is a big, big boy who runs the ball, and I think that he, I, I think he's a favorite. Like, I don't think, I, I would put the odds at what, like, minus, like, I would put the odds at, like, probably, like, minus 150 that he has a top 12 point-per-game season uh, in the NFL. So, I'll just bet on that. I think the sky's the limit. He could easily be a top five startup pick like Jalen Hurts is by the time he's in, like, year three. We'll see. Again, the, the floor is low there, but I think there's going to be enough value insulation where he's going to be a young quarterback a lot of people like. He's going to go top 10 in the NFL draft. There's going to be a lot of leeway there in terms of insulation, uh, I think, especially in year one. Uh, after that, we have Bryce Young at QB2. Now, I can't stress enough, Young and Stroud are amazing prospects. They are very, very good prospects, okay? They are, again, in the same tier as Richardson. For fantasy purposes, give me the guy with game-breaking upside on Richardson. But if I was on the clock... Uh, at 101, if I was the Panthers and I had to make a pick for the NFL draft and bet my franchise on this player, I'm taking Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. So don't get that twisted. I don't have Anthony Richardson as my, like my 101 if I was in the NFL draft, but for fantasy purposes, I'll take Richardson first. Um, but I would have Young as probably like my 1B right now. 
uh, he is really clean. Now, I think that he has a little bit more rushing upside than C.J. Stroud, but it is tricky to gauge with college quarterbacks because rushing stats in college uh, are affected by sacks, which is weird. But I did find PFF doesn't uh, penalize you for taking sacks uh, in the rushing department, which is really nice. So I think that I actually want to look at that a little bit further next offseason. They have rushing stats without getting affected by sacks, which I think is really nice. So what I did is I took their rushing stats from PFF uh, in their final season, and I found their rushing points per game. How many points per game are they adding on the ground? And then I overlaid them over this past year's rushers. Now, of course, of course, of course, these are not going to hold up. They're going to get to the NFL. I don't believe that Andrew Richardson is going to lead the league in uh, rushing points per game. I, I, it's just a way to get a feel. It would be better if I used final rush points per game in college. And again, we're going to have that stat compiled next year. I think this is going to be a fun thing to look at next offseason. This was just like me writing the outline today. Uh, had an idea, and this is what it looks like. So obviously, Richardson's not going to come up at the top, but I think it is fair to say, uh, from a rushing standpoint, he's going to fit right in there with like Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, top of the totem pole, seven plus rushing points per game. I think that that is a safe bet to make. Now, it is also interesting to me, Bryce Young grades out a statue when you take in his rushing yard market share. When you look at just his rushing uh, on PFF, he had 311 rushing yards and four touchdowns, which is pretty solid in a 12-game sample. And that puts him at 4.59 points per game right in the mix with that next tier. Now, I don't think he's going to compete with like, you know, Josh Allen or Mariota or Kyler. But I think it's pretty reasonable that he won't be a complete statue in that like, you know, that bottoming like Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo area. I think that he has a chance to be in that Mahomes like 3.22, probably all the way down to like. Geno's 2.04 this is probably where I bet Bryce Young falls but that's more mobile than than statue designation is leading on which is really really promising now when we flash back to the prompt the comps we had uh pulled up here it's really tough to find comps for Bryce Young quarterbacks are already a pretty damn small sample uh it's the size, right? He's 5'10 and a half. I think Burrow and Trevor Lawrence are actually pretty damn good comps for him, right? Where Bryce Young, A film, I think he'd have A plus film if he went first overall and A plus advanced passing. He looks really good. Uh, I guess Tua would be a decent comp for him, but I think Tua is less of an athlete than Bryce Young. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's really tough. I do truly believe that he was like 6'6 Trevor Lawrence type uh, or even like Joe Burrow, just like above six foot. I think that he would qualify for legendary uh, and be that tier of prospect. So he's very, very good. The size thing, I think, is overblown. I already have it bumping him from legendary to elite, essentially. Uh, and the idea that he's, like, too small and can't pan out, I think is kind of foolish here. When we look at the new age NFL, they're doing everything they can to protect quarterbacks. And sure, he's short. Oh, of course he's short. Uh, but when we look at the Alabama offensive line, his two tackles, like, I looked at his five offensive linemen that led the team uh, in snaps, his two tackles were 6'5 and 6'6. His guards were both 6'4. His center was 6'3. None of the guys on the line were undersized. He was fine. I truly do believe that it's not going to hurt him that much in the NFL, aside from maybe injuries. But he's a statue instead of like a Konami guy. He's not going to run as much as a Kyler Murray uh, and, you know, put his body on the line like that. So I found, you know, I, I just like pretty much looked at the lightest quarterbacks in my database, right? Bryce Young, 204 pounds at 5'10 and some change. Russell Wilson, 204 pounds at 5'10 and some change. Kyler Murray, 207 pounds at 5'10 and some change. I I really don't 
care about it that much outside of, you know, again, just limiting him from being uh, legendary to just an elite quarterback. So uh, I think that's kind of bogus. I, I even like I even took the time out to chart it as well. You take a you take points per game in years one through three, uh, one through three, and you chart it against weight. These are quarterbacks drafted rounds one through three, 2007 to 2020. There is no correlation there. 0.004 correlation between weight and fantasy points per game. And you can even see those guys that are like sub 220, sub 210. That's Russell Wilson. That's Kyler Murray. Anybody out there that's telling you he's 204 pounds and that's going to stop him from scoring fantasy points. uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, So he's quarterback like 1B for me. Honestly, after doing this research today and seeing that he has more rushing upside than uh, I previously thought. I almost wanted to put him at quarterback one. He's quarterback one B for me, okay? It's very, very close between Anthony Richardson and him. Comes down to where they get drafted, what their landing spot is, all of that. Now, our QB three is CJ Stroud here. And this is even a guy, you could talk me into taking CJ Stroud first overall if I was the Panthers. Again, this is just fantasy. And this is where it gets tough, right? He should be a good quarterback. He has A-plus advanced passing, A-plus film. He looks very, very strong. Right now, he's projected to go first overall. He's at the bottom there. I don't know why I, I didn't highlight it. Uh, but the comps are tough, right? He starts to look like Jared Goff and uh, Tua and like Sam Bradford and Jameis Winston. It's not very pretty. I think, to be honest, my closest comp for him would be Tua uh, without the injury history, which is nice. The ceiling isn't all that high. That's really the, the main issue for him is just... The rushing isn't great, right? C-plus rushing is at least better than Jared Goff. It's worse than Jameis, worse than Tua, uh, better than Bradford, worse than Zach Wilson. So there's no one with exactly C-plus rushing on this list, but it's tough, right? The, the, the rushing ceiling isn't all that high. Now, I think the other slight red flag is that he had tons of uh, studs to throw to in his entire career. Well, he has Emeka Egbuka, he has Marvin Harrison Jr., he has JSN, uh, he, of course, has Garrett Wilson, he, of course, had... Uh, Chris Olave, he of course had Jeremy Ruckert, uh, I believe he also, uh, no, I already said Jeremy Ruckert, uh, Jamison Williams, nothing but weapons to throw to, I know Bean Counter right now, uh, at Bulletproof Bean Counter or something like that on Twitter, uh, he's been messing around with a stat where he takes into account uh, a f- supporting cast for quarterbacks, and he's actually found that quarterbacks that have, you know, a ton of NFL producers on their team usually do worse. I'm trying to think of the the example he had. I think Mark Sanchez was one where Mark Sanchez had a bunch of USC uh, studs that I can't think of right now. But there is at least, I guess, like some merit to that. Uh, but I'm not all that concerned. Now, he did have 70 rushing yards versus Georgia, which is not including his stats. He showed his rushing upside a little bit there, but I doubt he really gives us anything meaningful, right? We looked at the uh, the chart from before, where if we look at all of the rushing quarterbacks, CJ Stroud falls down into, you know, Mike White, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, uh, hobbled Ryan Tannehill, you know, old Dak Prescott. That's where he's fallen in there. He's not going to give you uh, anything too great in terms of rushing, which is my biggest concern when it comes to fantasy for him. I don't think that he'll ever be able to, you know, threaten for top, for like 20 plus point per game upside without threading the needle of monster passing production, right? Like almost like damn near uh, like MVP conversation type stuff to get into that area. So, that's what's tough for him. Thankfully, he is an elite passer, right? He had back-to-back 40-plus touchdown season as a passer, A-plus grades in QBR, touchdown-interception ratio. He also has literally the best... He also has literally the best age 19 QBR 
in my entire database, along with 85 touchdowns at 12 interceptions in two years as a starter. I think that he probably has the highest floor in this class. Uh, that's not really what I shoot for in fantasy. It wouldn't shock me at all as well if he came in and on day one, he was a like uh, almost elite level passer like Joe Burrow was, like Justin Herbert was. It wouldn't shock me at all. So if he comes in right away as like the most pro ready and looks really good, uh, it wouldn't shock me. Again, I have him in the same tier as the other two. I know that it looks like, oh man, CJ Stroud is low for QB3. I promised you guys, however my rankings shake out in my like dynasty top 250 rankings, they will be back to back to back in my startup rankings and probably flip-flopped three or four more times before the draft. Now, we have a big tier break down to Will Levis, who's actually really interesting. Now, I want to get out ahead. Right off the bat, his statue designation is inaccurate. He is really weird. He has like two seasons as a true starter in college. He had one where he was pretty good. Like this was uh, two years ago, right? So you have the one from this past season and then two two seasons ago. Where he had 516 rushing yards on the ground with nine rushing touchdowns. That's amazing. And then he came out this past year and had just 119 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Apparently he was dealing with a bunch of injuries, like a foot injury and a shoulder and a finger. So conservatively, I'm going to call him mobile at this point. Statue, again, his uh, rushing from this year where he was kind of injured, hurts his designation. I will be treating him as mobile. He has an A minus rushing grade, which is pretty promising. And you could the I think the 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 reason to get in on Will Levis is even though Richardson's my QB one, I think you could make the case that Levis is probably a better like cost effective value and bet than Anthony Richardson, right? They're both C plus passers. We see here with Levis, C plus passer. With both of them, you're betting on draft capital, you're betting on development, you're betting on tools and rushing upside and athleticism. You know, Levis is still that Josh Allen type moonshot in the same way that Anthony Richardson's kind of that uh, same moonshot. But, you know, he's more of an uh, athlete to the point where he could have like, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, like uh, Justin Fields, like special rushing upside. But Will Levis could be, you know, Josh Allen, even like early career Carson Wentz is a good comp. But then you have on the lower end, like Christian Ponder and Blaine Gabbert. The 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 floor could 100% fall out beneath him and he could suck. There's clear risk here. But Startup drafts, literally the top like 18 picks, like 12 of them are quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have the most upside to gain value in Dynasty. And we have a guy like Will Levis who has these tools, A minus rushing, A plus athleticism. He's pretty much a lock to go in the top 10 in the NFL draft. I'll bet on that every single time. And he looks good as an athlete too. He's not the same athlete as Anthony Richardson, but when you take into account his physicals, he didn't run a 40. But his best comparable player on RAS's uh, website is Andrew Luck, right? They're both about 6'4", 230 pounds. Uh, Will Levis, I think a really nice positive for him for not running a 40. Really explosive. 34-inch vertical and 10-foot broad jump is really, really strong. He also has massive, massive hands. If you look in the top left corner, his hands are 10.625 inches. That's bigger. That's a whole, what, 625 I think is like a whole uh not six eighths maybe seven eighths or maybe it's i don't know dude i think it's a, a whole five eighths bigger than andrew lux hands 10.625 inch hands absolutely huge so he is a big you know josh allen andrew luck type you know big boy he runs the ball he's going to get draft capital he's a much stronger rusher than statue suggests now this is where we get into the downsides here, where the passing with him is bad. Bottom percentile QBR, bottom bottom percentile TD interception ratio, big time throw to turnover-worthy play ratio. And he also, unlike Anthony Richardson, is not good at avoiding negative sacks and negative plays 
in the sack department. He is right here, right? He is right smack dab between like EJ Manuel, uh, Jamarcus Russell, Christian Ponder, Daniel Jones, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, uh, in taking really, really bad sacks. So that's a clear red flag. I think there's clear red flags all across the board uh, for Will Levis, but that's sort of priced in. You're getting him at what, like 107-ish area in rookie drafts. So it's priced in. Uh, QB is so random. It, I could see him being Josh Allen. I could see him being Justin Herbert, where no one thought these guys were going to be good. And, you know, he has the tools to just come out here and be good. It seems like he's kind of consensus QB4 right now. So maybe he falls in the draft to a better, you know, slot than a guy, you know, Panthers are up top, Texans are up top. Maybe he goes to a better landing spot there. I'm trying to think through, like, maybe maybe a team that's, like, trying to contend or something or a team that has a quarterback in place but wants a, a next option. Like, maybe the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. Maybe they decide to hop up and take a Will Levis. So there's a lot of sort of outs for this bet. He's allowed to go top 10, essentially. He has all the tools in the world. I honestly kind of love him where he's going in rookie drafts. As much as I don't like Will Levis, at his prices, um, I'll take that all day long. Will Levis would have been a minimum. He would have been QB1 in last year's class. And you probably maybe would have seen him get picked. Like if, if Will Levis went like, let's say, third overall last year, I think you could have made the case that he could have gone like right after Brees Hall. Uh, something in that area. Now, after that, we have Hendon Hooker. I don't know how true that last statement was. I think I'm kind of talking my ass there. But we have Hendon Hooker. And he's exciting. Uh, he looks like a lot of these non-first-round gems in my database where none of these guys are elite prospects, but for where they got drafted, right, Russell Wilson in the third round, back on day three, they ended up flashing a little bit in the RS grades, going up, you know, Colin Kaepernick in gold, uh, Dak Prescott in silver. They popped a little bit, right? So you have Russ, Dak, uh, Jalen Hurts, Colin Kaepernick. Now, Hendon Hooker is interesting because he's an A-plus rusher. He didn't test because he's hurt, but he's a much better passer than Levis and Richardson with that A advanced passing score. So he looks a lot like these gems you take stabs on later. Uh, now, here's the tough part with him. He's coming off a late-season ACL tear, and he's 25 years old. So that is pretty tough. Uh, he won't be on the field until, like, late year one in the absolute earliest. But I will say, we said this earlier, age isn't an input in the model. Uh, I don't care about your draft age or your early declare status, your breakout age. Quarterback position is the, is the position where it matters the least. Now, I will say, for those stats where I'm taking, like, year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, year six, I only count age 18 to 23 in year one through six. So a guy like Brandon Whedon, I threw out all of his stats that came after age 23, after year six. Same thing with Hendon Hooker. His stats, his 24-year-old stats for, you know, QBR and all of that are thrown out. Anything after age 23, anything after year six, it's all thrown out. So that's factored into the silver grade and that A passing. And he still grades out very, very well. And there's a lot to like here. He had his best season, 17 big-time throws to five turnover-worthy plays this past season. That's a great number. That's a three-plus ratio. That's better than Richardson and Levis. He has 80 career passing touchdowns to 12 interceptions. That's elite. That's, like, literally what – obviously, it's over, like, five seasons instead of two for C.J. Stroud. But in terms of, like, taking care of the football and scoring touchdowns, that's a similar, like, career touchdown-interception ratio uh, with 80-plus touchdowns as a guy like C.J. Stroud. Now, he didn't test due to injury, right? He has that torn ACL. But he comes out here with huge 10.5-inch hands, which gives him a slight boost in the athleticism category when he needs it because he's not going to give you an RAS score. So he has the same hand size as Anthony Richardson. He has bigger dudes than guys who have mitts like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, which, again, as we highlighted earlier, 
just 7% of the inputs, but for a guy that needs a boost in the athleticism department, that's pretty huge. And then, of course, he's a great rusher. He qualifies as Konami code. Uh, he had 566 rushing yards and five touchdowns this past season. His previous two seasons, he had seven-plus rushing uh, in each of those years. So there's a lot to like here. Uh, good passer, good rusher. He's just old and coming off injury. But again, old doesn't really matter. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in whatever the discount is, whether it's like late second in rookie drafts or third round in rookie drafts. I'm very much a fan of Hendon Hooker. Uh, I think that he will be a target for me. It seems like he has some buzz to even go late first round. It wouldn't shock me at all if we saw kind of like the uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Lamar Jackson trade where a team like trades up to like 31st or 30th. Like now we don't have a 32nd pick and goes out there and takes a Hendon Hooker. Now, that is it for today. Those are my top five quarterbacks, how I got to this point, how the prospect model works. Again, almost 45 minutes on the dot. I appreciate you for sticking around this long. As always, if you want to see how these RS grades are going to change throughout the offseason, right, as we get more uh, news, I think Lanzier line grades are changing as we get some pro day stuff. Maybe a guy like Will Levis runs a 40. Uh, a lot of stuff is changing. Draft capital is changing. So make sure... You check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. There'll be a link down below in the description. There'll be a link down below in the comments section. If you want access to my RS grades for 2023, those are constantly updating. You have my RS grades dating back to 2007. You have my rookie rankings I just put out on there, my top 48 Superflex tight end premium. I'm going to get dynasty rankings done in the next couple of weeks. We have a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of exciting stuff going on there. So make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And if not, a like, a subscribe means the world to me. We are out here in March. If you are out here watching my videos in March, I love you for that. Um, I'm not out here watching my videos in March. I'm just making them. Uh, so I appreciate that. I love you guys. And I will see y'all in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song. Singer. Suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.